Blog Talk Radio. Quarters. Security, condition three. Thank you. Security three, sir. General quarters three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. Okay, I know that sounds a bit alarming, intruder alert, but as you know, if, if you're a regular listener, he does a great job. My doorman does a fantastic job, and he takes his responsibilities here in the genie bottle that is Madame Perry's salon very seriously. And hey, welcome once again to Madame Perry's salon. I am your host and cruise director. Madam Perry, or you can call me Jennifer Perry, and just want to say thank you once again. Show is just even more fun every week. This year is going to be, we're just going to knock it out of the park with excitement, um, entertainment, some of the most fascinating people. I don't know how, but somehow I'm able to bring the most fascinating, interesting, intelligent, uh, marvelous people here to Madame Perry Salon. I think it's because of you, because you subscribe on Blog Talk Radio or Stitcher, Apple iTunes, or uh, Podcast FM or Blueberry. You subscribe, you download, you share it with your friends. And because you do that, it helps me to keep bringing fantastic people for you. And I thank you. You know, last night we had Madison Maxwell, Matt Max of the band Poet Radio. And, you know, I found her quite, I thought by accident, but I think that's really synchronicity. But Madison Maxwell... Uh, writes these deliciously dark pop psychedelic songs and uh, just loved her. In fact, if you know last night, if you were listening, um, you know, she gave away a CD and a T-shirt, and we haven't had the drawing for that yet, but we'll announce it as soon as we do. However, um, James Breen, who is one of the people who puts together the Wild Wild West Con, the Western-themed steampunk convention in Tucson, Arizona, every year. He called in because I'm going to be speaking at that and uh, doing a presentation, and she even read my tarot cards about what kind of experience I'm going to have at the Wild Wild West Con. And according to Madison Maxwell, it's going to... Let me see if I can find my notes. She said... Um, she sees a new beginning or new beginnings of a fiery nature. Hmm. I, I guess she says it's all good. So I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, But definitely check out Madison Maxwell and Poet Radio. Um, also, coming up soon, would you believe to see tomorrow night we have Althea Lawton Thompson. I first met her when I was taking exotic dance class lessons from her. Uh, my friend Kenya and I, and uh, she's also an author, a DJ, and she leads uh, health and uh, holistic uh, 
retreats for your yoga, meditation, and I just love her. She'll be here tomorrow night. Coming up later than that, we're going to have, would you believe, Bootsy Collins. Yes, yes, his people have said Bootsy Collins is going to be here um, within a month. Also, Kazim Sultan, who's been here before, who you know from playing bass with Todd Rundgren, Joan Jett, Blue Oyster Cult, even Ricky Bird, who was here recently. Uh, I guess they played together with Joan Jett. Uh, Chasm is going out on a new project now that uh, Todd's White Knight tour is over. And it's called Chasm Sultan's Utopia. So it was a lot of the Utopia songs he did with Todd. And he's going to have, I think it's going to have Jesse Gress at, with it. Um, yeah, guitarist Jesse Gress, who also plays with him with Todd Runger, is going to be in there. But uh, Cass is going to be back on the show to talk about that, and we're so excited. And guess what? Tonight, as I've been telling you, as I always tell you, uh, it's going to be a night you won't forget. This is going to be a great show. This is a guest that was introduced to me by uh, someone who was on a couple of years, about a year ago, whom I love. If you know, uh, Svetlana Kemp amazing woman. She was on here talking about her book, her book, The White Pearl and I, and she said, you've got to meet this lady, and she was right. Uh, tonight's guest is an inspirational speaker, a number one best-selling award-winning author. She's the president of the whimsical world of Sherry Fink, and so, yes, Sherry Fink. Uh, she also she writes books that inspire and delight kids of all ages while planting seeds of self-esteem. I can dig it. I like that a lot. She, uh, no end. She's received several prestigious literary awards, three gold medals and Reader's Favorite International Book Awards. She visits libraries, schools, conferences, festivals, and she speaks to uh, corporate audiences and corporate events. Uh, there's just no, you know, I could go on for the rest of the show talking about it, but I'd rather have her in here to talk about it. So coming into the genie bottle for the first time is the owner of the whimsical world of Sherry Fink, Sherry Fink. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Wow. Well, you can't see me, but I am smiling. <laughs> Sounds like a very exciting place to be. I'm, I'm very happy to be curled up in the Juni bottle with you this evening. <laughs> oh, so am I. So am I. We got all the cushions fluffed up for you and hope you like the little Moroccan design we have in here. And, uh, yeah, so happy to have you here. And you've been, I'm thrilled that you could be here because you've been traveling a lot lately. You've had quite, um, as if the whimsical world of Sherry Fink didn't have enough excitement, action, activity, creativity, and things going on. You had a very major event recently. If you, I hope you don't mind sharing that with listeners. Oh, are you kidding me? I cannot share it. I'm telling everybody. Like, <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Yes, I, I was recently, um, actually one month ago today, I married my soulmate, author Derek Taylor Kent, and we just got back from our honeymoon a few days ago. So it has been a magical journey. We even had a unicorn at our wedding, like it's truly magical. And um, it's just, it's, it's been amazing. <laughs> I'm excited to see what you know, unfolds in this if, new year. If anyone else said unicorn besides you and um, the actress Tiffany Haydish, I would go, oh. Really? But <laughs> you, <laughs> and, you know, Tiffany's book is The Last Black Unicorn. So, yeah, this is, uh, so you and Derek had a unicorn. I would expect no less. 
<laughs> That's what and people said when I was trying to find one. They were like, it would be weird if you didn't have a unicorn at your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> to make you feel good when you feel like yes my people get me they really understand it It makes me excited like you know that people they're they're like oh and and we had a unicorn mermaid cake and people are like it's the most beautiful cake i've ever seen (laughs) of course it is it's a unicorn mermaid cake you know (laughs) (laughs) this is a very magical celebration so and on your honeymoon did you go to did you go to new zealand we went to Australia, and we spent half of our time yeah. in Sydney, and then the other half in Cairns, and we toured the Great Barrier Reef um, by snorkeling and by helicopter. We got mm. to hold three different koalas, which was very magical for me, growing up in rural Virginia, imagining, you know, exploring the world and then getting to do all these things. And we did the Sydney Bridge Climb, which you go way up to the top of their their very historic bridge and you get an incredible view of the city it's a three-hour excursion it's it's fascinating like that you can do something like that so we just had the best adventures oh how wonderful um i had some uh some friends from australia have been on the show and they'll be in the u.s and and um Actually, in Los Angeles, probably this month or next. So maybe, maybe I'll arrange for you to meet. It's Anthony uh, Sharp, who, if you've ever seen the TV show uh, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, mm-hmm. uh, which is made in Melbourne, um, it's like a 1920s flapper who's also a detective, and he cool. plays her chauffeur and detective. And his wife Julie creates several characters. She's a, an actress and a comedian. And so, yeah, you know, I'm a connector, so I like to connect all my wonderful people together, even if I can't be there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, this is good. But let's get back to you. So you just, one year, one month ago, uh, fabulous, magical wedding, and your honeymoon, and now you're back, and you're back at work. I don't know who, I just don't know where to begin. So let's talk about, <laughs> you know, I've been showing the picture of you, at, at the mermaid, the mermaid. Sherry Fink, that you morph into occasionally. I guess when the need arises, you <laughs> shape shift into the mermaid, and uh, and you have several children's books. So tell us tell us about that. Talk about mermaid life. Well, you know, growing up, like I said, in rural Virginia, um, I had huge dreams. I was just a little girl with big big dreams in a very small town, and. I wanted to be a writer, a teacher, a mermaid, uh, a mother, and I can't remember my other one. (laughs) It must not be that important anymore. Princess. That's what it was, princess. And so um, I've, as an adult, like sought out experiences where I could create those roles in my life. So I've been teaching through my books and through my school visits to kids, and I, I do a lot of empowerment things for women, too. And that's kind of been um, an extremely fulfilling part of my career, which I didn't anticipate would come. I I imagined it teaching in a more traditional sense, but, um, you know, everyone's a teacher. It's amazing what you can learn if you listen. And so that has been a big thing. And then, uh, of course, a writer and writing my books and articles and, and things like that. And then The Mermaid. So, I just am a person that believes in possibilities and I'm like, I live near Hollywood. Like there's got to be somebody 
that can make this dream come true. And so I started looking for a mermaid photographer, and I found this lady. She's incredible. Like, she makes the tails, and she takes you out to a part of the beach, and then she does all these photos for you. I mean, of course, the hair and everything I already had. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I got out there, and I just had, like, one of the most magical days of my life. And I had taken a copy of The Little Seahorse, which is one of my um, one of my books, it was brand new at the time, and I took it for her for, to give to her son. And she said, why don't you bring it into one of the pictures? And I was like, ah, I feel really cheesy doing that. You know, this is for fun. It's for me. And she's like, no, 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 just put it in there. And so I did, and it ended up being like my best publicity photo ever. So like, <laughs> I did it for fun, and it ended up being like for business. So that's kind of how my life has been going. It's like every good thing that's come into my life has come pretty much since I started my business, since I really started following my heart, which was um, my goal was to help kids. Like I, I really wanted kids to, to know how precious they are and to make positive decisions for their life and, you know, to create really healthy values at a young age and to use that as a guiding light as they're growing up and facing all the difficult decisions that we face as grownups. And, I started doing that through the books and then I started doing it through speaking and then I had two albums come out and like all these things have flowed and I actually even met my husband doing what I love. So it's, it's really fascinating. Like what happens when you start building that positive momentum and stepping out in faith and, you know, it's just incredible. And I remind myself every single day, like how lucky I am and how important it is to keep walking that path. Even though it's always scary, and, right? Because you don't know what's next. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, sometimes. Yes, it can be. And and thankfully for people who love your books, who love to hear you speak, people whom you've taught and entertained and inspired, yeah, fortunately, you know, you do follow your dream and your course, even though sometimes it can be scary. And I just want to say, if you're listening live tonight and you want to talk to Sherry, number 646-716-9922, Blog Talk Radio assures me it's a toll-free call in the continental U.S., so 646-716-9922, we'd love, and Sherry would love to have your calls, if you call and ask. Uh, Let me ask you, what came first? you know, children's books or speaking to, or your books for adults and speaking to adults? Um, You know, I I had done some speaking when I was in the corporate world, but it was always about business and marketing or the company's next project or, you know, it was, it was kind of boring. Um, (laughs) And I didn't love it. I actually really did not like it at all, but I was good at it. So they kept asking me and so I kept doing it. Um, But then when I got the inspiration to write my first book, The Little Rose, um, I was so scared to tell the story behind the story. Like it was inspired from being bullied in the workplace. And at the time I didn't realize that that was so common. I felt very ashamed of it and very alone in the experience that I had had. And I, when I finally like started getting out of my shell, like six months after the book had been published and was already a number one bestseller, when I started telling the story and being brave, 
I started getting all this feedback from people who were like, oh, my gosh, my daughter's going through that now, or my sister's facing that in the office, or, you know, my grandchildren have this issue in their school right now. Like, all, it was like everybody knew somebody who was directly affected by a similar occurrence. And so by sharing my story, it was helping them. And so then I started being asked like when I was opening up in media interviews and things like that, people would listen and then they would ask me to come. Would you come and speak at this Girl Scouts event? Could you come and speak to this school? Could you come and speak to this women's group or this teen group? And and so that's how I started. It was like kind of reluctantly doing it. And then what I realized is like at first I was very corporate about it. You know, I was <laughs> worried about like where I stood on the stage and how long I looked people in the eye and, and all those things that they teach you in speaking school. That's mm-hmm. not really the heart of why you do the speaking. Um, th- it's good for some audiences. I, I understand that the, the mechanics of it, but mm-hmm. in the, the real world, what I've discovered is it's not about that. Like, at least for me, it's like, if I can just get up on stage and like tell everything from my heart, so just tell the truth in the most heart-centered way and get out of the way of my own self, like don't overthink it when it's coming through, that's when it really connects with people. And so now when I, when I mentor other authors and I tell them, I'm like, you don't have to be a robot. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be just like me or somebody else. Like You just have to get up there and be you. And it's so relieving for them. Like, they almost don't believe me until they try it. And they're like, oh, my God, I love speaking, you know, (laughs) because because it's just being human. And that's what connects with people. Shocker, right? Like, (laughs) oh, yeah. I go, what? Huh? (laughs) Yeah. And so then the natural progression, like, I had five number one best-selling children's books out, and then... I was inspired to create a journal that like guides you day by day on like accomplishing your goals while balancing your life. And it's something that I use to this day and makes such a difference. It's called my bliss book. So that came out and that was not exactly for kids. Like teens could use it, but it was more for adults. Like I made it for me and then my friends were like, I need that too. So I decided to release that. Um, And then I got this other inspiration that I didn't know exactly what it was, Um, I knew it wasn't for kids, and I started writing it, um, just trusting, like, this weird path, like, what is it going to be? And it ended up being a romance novel. And when I was writing it, I was like, wow, this is not connected to anything I've done at all. But then when we were going through the editing process with my editor, I was like, wait a second, this is connected on a deeper level than I ever could have intentionally created. Like, everything that I have done in my career has been about love, bliss, and inspiration. And the romance book, Cake in Bed, is no different. It's just for a different (laughs) audience. It's all about self-love. And so it was really, it made me smile when I realized that. And so I I went forth and and released the book out into the world. It became an international bestseller. And, you know, I'm just so so grateful that I feel um, brave to, to follow the inspiration. And I know a lot of authors feel locked in their genre and I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. Like I, if I want to create in a different genre, I, I'm going to do it. Um, I don't really feel like there's a lot of risk there. I think it's more risky to bottle up your creativity. So um, yeah. So then, the, then that that book came out for grownups, and then I had another book that I created with my then fiance called Counting Sea Life with a Little Seahorse, which was expanding my whimsical world brand. 
and that did very well, and it's being sold in lots of aquariums throughout North America, um, which is very exciting. So now I'm inspired to create in a couple different ways, but I, I know for sure I have two more children's books coming up, probably both this year, and um, and possibly a nonfiction book coming maybe in 2019. Um, that's going to be more in the personal development realm, which I've been, people have been asking me for a book like that for years. Like, how are you doing it? Like, how are you creating all the things that you're doing and having more fun than everyone else I know? Like, <laughs> like well, yes, please I've share. been refining this <laughs> process for myself. You know, like, it's like my life is a construction site. I'm just constantly building, you know, <laughs> remodeling over here and, you know, <laughs> furnishing that area. So where we're going. We feel like such a slacker. I mean, we were inspired, but then we feel so... <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I have a lot of ideas, too. And I find that with creative people, we tend to beat ourselves up a lot because we have 50 ideas a day. And we can't possibly take action on all of them. So, like, there's a, um, there's a thing that Janet Atwood created called the Passion Test. And if you Google it, you'll find it online, and it's free. Like, you can just you go through the projects that are on your mind and on your heart. And you do this, like, one-on-one analysis. It's very easy, especially if you have with another person. And you basically say, if I could write this next children's book, but that meant that I could never do this other thing, which one would I choose? And by going through the process of elimination, you find out what you're most passionate about in this moment. And then I put all my energy on that thing. And when you're pouring everything you got into one goal, oh, my goodness, things move fast. And that's what I like because I get impatient. Like I, I, <laughs> I chicken out if I wait too long. You know. <laughs> I know oh, okay. Myself. I think we could, yeah. I think a lot of us can identify with that. And there was something, and and I was gonna, um, I wanted to ask you. I think it was a maybe about. I don't know. It could have been about three to five minutes back. Um, so you may have to help me. I don't mean to misquote you. But something about not doing what you're supposed to do or being afraid. I don't, I don't have the quote. I can't remember because I'm, I'm, so, I'm so fascinated. But what I guess what, I, what it hit in me was I've often felt or I've learned to feel this way more in the last few years, and I've told friends this too, that if there is something within you, within your soul, uh, whether it's uh, something, whether it's a talent or a skill or a desire that you have to do something, whether it's singing or writing or building something or going somewhere, I feel that if you don't do it, that I think a part of your soul just starts to starts to wither. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I've been reading a lot of Robin Sharma's work recently. And he's a very powerful business inspirational thought leader. And he has a theory that says that if you don't fulfill your purpose, like if you're not actively pursuing your purpose with passion in your daily life, or at least, you know, weekly, then um, people tend to want to numb themselves out from that feeling. And they don't identify that that's what's causing it, but they have a general malaise about the world and about their lives. And that's what, Um, drives people to binge watch so much television that's not great for them or to, you know, over drink alcohol or over indulge in food or to like fill the boredom that they're creating in their lives with something meaningless. That's easy. There's no Mm. risk involved. Right. 
And he's saying that that's mm-hmm. what's creating a lot of this numbness that people are, are trying to medicate in these ways that are not going to pay off. But if you can figure out something, like just take one step towards something that brings you joy or something that helps other people, your path will illuminate. It may take a little bit of time to like listen to it, but you'll start feeling it. And I think for me, um, when I first started, like I had no idea that I would be doing exactly what I'm doing now. Like I, I wanted to have a business. I wanted to be a writer. I didn't know what it was going to look like. And it was terrifying if I tried to take more than two steps at a time, but I had to eliminate a lot of things from my life that were distracting me from that purpose. And I think a lot of people think, well, I have no time to write. Well, yeah, if you're watching five hours of television a day and, you know, on social media, which I love social media, but if you're on there too much, you know, the time that you could be creating, of course you're not going to have the time. I, I have friends, literally I have a friend who has five children. She's in the army. She writes four books a year. So people are like, I have a baby, or I have a kid, or I have a job. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no. (laughs) Like, if you really want to create it, you figure out a way when the time is right for you. Because that's what you have to do. You have to be very um, committed to yourself and your dream. And it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice everything. I don't agree with that at all. I just think um, I want to do things that have meaning and that matter. Like, I don't just put videos up online just to do it. Like I only put it up there when I have something powerful to say. I don't want to waste people's time. I want them to pay attention when I say something because they know that it's going to have value. And that's exactly how I treat my time and my life. Like if I, if I watch a show and I don't fall in love with it, I am not investing three weeks of my life in that show. You know what I mean? Like it needs to move me in a powerful way. Like I, it's just different. Like my mindset is different about it. Like entertainment has to serve a purpose for me. It just, it's not just a numbing, <laughs> dumbing thing. Like I, I really love shows like yours because they make you think and they inspire you by, by introducing you to people that you may not have had an inner glimpse of their world before. You know, you might know their art, but you don't know how they, how their mind works and their time. And, and so I love shows like yours because they fill you up. And they give you something to take action on. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want to create. Those are the kind of people that I resonate really well with. Oh, thank you so much. Because this is what I consider, this, this is a goal. And I just think that it's a, a goal. And it's, and it's just a pleasure to do. I've got to tell you, when you first said shows like yours, I thought, yours. Okay, I'm not up to a lot of the shows. I know this is us. What is she talking about? <laughs> She's talking about that appearance a lot. Because I'm, I'm going through about my thinking, this, 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 this. I don't know the show. Is it a Netflix? Is it a Hulu? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yes, you're, you're not show. sorry you're here yet, are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Okay, I hope you're still glad you're here, because I certainly am. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm having fun. (laughs) Okay, good. And listen, folks, really, if you want to call in and talk to Sherry Fink live, the number is 646-716-9922. And we do have somebody coming in here to the Genie Bottle. Hi, welcome to Madame Perry Salon. Hello, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? 
I'm doing fine. This right. is Peter and, D. Peter, oh my God, Peter, I was thinking to you that I wanted you to call in on this show tonight. Well, well, I was thinking about it, but I didn't want to step on any toes. Oh my gosh, yes. Sherry, Sherry, I know you've got uh, Peter G. Uh, I'd love for you to meet Sherry Fink. Sherry Fink. Peter G., he's an uh, animator, uh, creates games and, and animations, and also especially because when you were talking about your um, your books that have been uh, taken to, sold at uh, aquariums, like the little seahorse and such, and Peter is creating a series for aquariums for geared toward children. So. Oh, wow. Well, it's very nice to meet you, Peter. Oh, it's nice to meet you, too, although it's, uh, it's a little uncomfortable for me to kind of get the spotlight thrown on me like this. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an introvert. I'm not used to being thrown in the middle like that. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> he, he is, and he's a sweetheart, and I'm very proud of him. And that's exactly why I kept thinking, oh, if I could get a hold of Peter to call. But I'm so glad uh, this worked. I figure, Sherry, you're going to tell me this is some kind of a, a – uh, beyond synchronicity, like a connection with me and Peter. Oh, yeah. Vibe going. Serendipity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Okay. Do you have a specific question right now, Peter, or are you just going to hang with us for a little bit? Kind of loud. I was going to do, bo- <laughs> do both, but I actually had uh, a little more of a question for, her, for uh, Sherry because she talks about uh, inspiring people to go out and do things because, you know, they binge watch so much TV. This is me speaking from experience because things like when I find myself being the most creative is when I'm the most frustrated with the entertainment around me. When there's not enough good on yes. TV, it's like, okay, I'm going to create something. There's not enough good games. I make one and stuff like that. But there's also the problem of I have a lot of friends who are sort of writers and sort of artists. And when I say sort of, they always talk about these – things that they're going to do, these things that they're going to create, but they never do anything. Uh, it, for a lot of them, just the idea of having this big dream and a plan to make it is enough for them. There's no actual execution. How do you talk to people and get them to actually move forward from just having this idea and that being enough to, no, no, make it real, make it happen, show it, to, get it out there? How do you get them over that inertia that they have? Um, okay, so I would say three things. Um, one is something I learned from my jujitsu uh, teacher, um, Henner Gracie, who teaches at Gracie Academy. They're like the family that brought jujitsu to America from Brazil and they founded UFC. He's a like very well-respected individual. And almost any question that anybody ever asks him about motivating other people, his response is always lead by example. Um, and I found that to be true for mm. me because as much as you want to push and pull and prod because you see the potential and you believe in them, unless they're ready to move, they're not going to. Um, but if they see you going after it, suddenly it creates a, um, like a tension. And it's like, wow, okay, well, if Peter's really going to do this thing, like, oh, and I still just have it on paper, like, wow, like maybe I should do it. Or they see, oh, it's possible for me too. That happens a lot. Um, The other thing that Eckhart Tolle says is that when you see someone who's asleep and dreaming, the most compassionate thing you could do is let them sleep until they're ready, egging them on or trying to make them be different than they are is less compassionate than it could be. So just supporting them and like helping, like listening to their dream, even though you know they're not taking action on it, 
um, that's probably the best thing you could do. And then meanwhile, take all the energy that you want to pour into them and helping them succeed and pour into your own dreams for now. And then when they start waking up and they start asking for the help, then support them with everything that you've got. Um, and then you'll have a much better place to, to be supportive too because you will have had some success. Um, I, I have that experience sometimes with my clients because when I first started having so, a level of success, people would come to me and they'd say, how are you doing it? And I would literally have 40 calls a week with different people telling them how mm. to do it. And I would be so frustrated because nobody would do it. <laughs> you know? Like here I was pouring my heart out giving them all these great strategies that I had learned along the way through hard work and investing in it, you know, and they weren't doing anything. And I had a business coach at the time and he said to me, he said, okay, I know you like connecting and helping people, but how much have you written this week? How many talks have you given while you're on the phone with 40 different people? Is this helping you or hurting you? Is it draining your energy or is it filling it up? And I was like, well, it looked like it was doing this one thing, but in reality, it's training me. And so, so then I started charging for advice. And you know what's funny uh-huh. is the people who come to me are ready. They have a fire in their belly. They are ready to invest in their dream, and they take it seriously. They go after it with everything they've got. And it's like it's amazing their stories. Like one woman I'm working with now, her mother passed away and she's like, I always told my mom I was going to write a book and dedicate it to her and she's gone and she will not leave me alone. She's like, she talks to me every single day. <laughs> she's like, I got to get this book done. You know? So it's like, people are like, I'm not waiting anymore. And so now it's like, it's elevated the level of, um, of readiness that people come to me with. And if they're not ready, I just let them stay asleep and keep dreaming, you know. And, it, and it's hard sometimes to, to say that, but, but it's, it is the most compassionate thing you could do, in my opinion. Okay. I know about you, yeah. Peter, but I know she's definitely talking to me. What do you say? <laughs> well, I mean, it's because I, I have friends, uh, I have one friend in particular and because he'll talk to me about how it's like, man, I wish I had a quarter of the drive that you have because my technique is that there's something I want to do, figure out how to do it. Like I've only been animating for about two and a half years now, and, but it's like I threw myself into the deep end and figured it out. Uh, I've been writing most of my life. Meanwhile, he has an idea. I gave him an idea for a movie to work on. He did an outline, and then he'll play video games or he'll watch movies or he will do anything other than actually sitting down and actually trying to get some pages created. And there's mm-hmm. times I just want to say, oh, I just, you just want to shake him and, you know, shake him until his eyes roll like the reels of a slap machine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, especially <laughs> since you're a doer, you know, because you're a doer and you have the motivation. So you look at people who don't and you're like, what are you doing? Like, I understand that too. I've been like that my whole life. I'm like, what do you mean you want to lay on the couch? Like, let's go play tennis. Let's go do this thing. Let's go explore. But not everybody shares that. Um, But do you know what's interesting too? Is like when I first started out, I had this mastermind group and it was this group of people from all over the world who I loved and admired. And we would get together on the phone every two weeks for an hour and we would each say something new and good. And then we would ask for help on something. So I might say, Hey, I'm working on this new book and it's about this. Um, 
I, I don't know what my next step should be. And then we would brainstorm on it for five minutes and we would help each other. Um, and it was such a powerful group. And after five years of that group, I realized that only like three people out of the five of us were actually making progress. And at first I was really surprised. And then I was like, ah, oh, but you know what? That's okay. But then the more that I continued to meet with that group, the more frustrated I became because it was like the same question was being asked every two weeks. And this is valuable time, you know, as our careers continued to grow and we became more in demand, it was harder and harder for me to make those calls. And I would be frustrated that the same level of intention and value and action wasn't being poured into it by everybody. And one of my, one of the oldest members who's so incredibly wise, she's a leadership expert, she talked to me about it off of the call, away from everyone else, because I mentioned to her that I was growing frustrated and I felt that it was going to be time for me to leave the group. And I felt terrible about it. And she said to me, she said, imagine a group of friends that meets in the morning to walk on the beach. One friend speed walks and they walk way far ahead. Two of them are the same pace, so they kind of walk together. And then one is recovering from an injury, so they walk slower are they walking together? And she said, in her mind, they are. And so she said, we can walk together, but not be arm in arm. And she told me, she said, here's what's happened, is that you've realized that we all have wings. You were content walking before, maybe jogging a little bit, but pulling yourself back to keep up with everybody else. And then you realized that everybody has wings, and you started trying them out. And you would circle back and you'd say, you guys, we have wings. Let's fly. Let's fly. Let's do this. Let's go. And they're not ready. And so the best thing you can do is let them walk at their own pace and walk with them, but fly. Because that's what you need to do. That's what's for you right now. So that might be, I don't know if that's helpful to you or not, but that was incredibly helpful to me when she shared that story with me. Um, because I'm like trying to pull everybody like, let's go. And and it's so heavy, you know, and it slows you down. And, and it's like we can be together, but not in the same space all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Yeah, that's <laughs> I've never heard an analogy like that or description like that. But my gosh, it definitely hits hits home. It does for me, Peter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, what about you? Well, I mean, it's it's and, interesting because what? Go ahead, hey there, Peter. Did I lose you? Oh yeah, I heard a noise. I'm like, oh, somebody's trying to talk. You better not step on them. Uh, I mean, it's it's just like I said, it's interesting because there's so many people that want to do so much, but they never quite seem to get the. They never get the drive to do it. I've I don't consider myself like any kind of a great artist or anything. I just consider myself really desperate for my art that I push myself to get it out there. I mean, believe me, I've seen I've seen real art. When people talk about my animations and stuff like that, oh, you're great. I'm like, no, no, no. Ralph Daxi is great. I've seen his stuff. He's incredible. I'm just I'm just a guy with a computer, please. <laughs> well, that may be that may be so that you are very modest. But I will tell you that mm-hmm. something that's done is better than something that's perfect any day of the week. Because until you oh, get yeah. things out into the world, you don't get any feedback. And that could be what's happening um, with your friend is that 
it's safe to dream a dream and talk about it and then to go lose yourself in games and TV or whatever, whatever it is, you know, because there's no feedback when you're mm-hmm. doing those things. It's just kind of a solitary whatever. Um, when you start creating things and putting out into the world, you have to take accountability for that. You know, people mm. people will have opinions and, and people, like, in some cases will, will adopt you as a role model and there's responsibility that comes with that that some people don't want to have. And that's okay for them. Mm. But I would just, you know, for me, I just recognize that and I say, you know, I... I I wish the best for them and I'm always there, but I got to keep moving. I have things to create. Like I, I want to create a legacy. You know, I, I feel like our time here is very limited and you never know how long you have. And I have a real sense of urgency like you do to like get my art out into the world and doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it just has to come from the heart and and get out there. How familiar are you with this? <laughs> how well, familiar are ahead, you with Ralph Bakshi? I was, I was, how familiar are you with Ralph Bakshi? Not at all. Okay, uh, he's a he's a renegade animator. He started off at Terry Tunes, and he's basically been driven to try and create uh, animation for adults. He made the first X-rated animated cartoon with Fritz the Cat. He did a movie called Wizards, which is it's Wizards is astonishing because. Bakshi is a big fan of collage, so it incorporates rotoscoping and traditional film uh, newsreels into cell animation and tells a fantastic story. And uh, he's also uh, he's also behind some of the Mighty Mouse cartoons and stuff. And he was saying in an interview, well, one of my favorite quotes from him, you know, he says, "It's not about the ratings. It's not even about making a good picture." I tell people, "Picture's good or bad, it doesn't matter. You do your best, and it's about the process." The process of making is everything. And if the picture turns out good, great. If it turns out bad, great. You learn something. But you still made that picture. So to me, it's always about the art. I love and that. Have that, you met him? No, I have not. Uh, it, it, he's uh, he's out in uh, he's out in Hollywood. Oh, well, I think he's in Hollywood. I he also he's from Brooklyn, so he could be back there. But the guy is just, I mean, he, re- he really does amazing, incredible stuff. He's not afraid to be controversial. He's kind of like the anti-Disney in a way. It's like, no, this may be provocative, but uh, he, his big thing about working at Terry Tunes, because that was where he got his start at, and he said that he preferred Terry Tunes over Disney, he says, because cartooning and heart are more important than slickness and lying to people. And that's what pushes wow. him in the direction to make the movies that he does. Wouldn't it be amazing okay. one day if you guys did a collaboration? Uh, I don't. Well, Ralph may be a visionary, but he can also be uh, interesting to work with. <laughs> so, <laughs> we all can be, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. when, when he was when he was doing Mighty Mouse at CBS, one of the one of the stories about him uh, was he was in his office and he got a call from Standards and Practices about the show. And they're t- giving him all these grievances to say, well, we want to change this, we want to change that, we want to slow this down, cut this out. And for a little while, Ralph, wait a minute, so let me get this straight. I don't legally have to do anything it's in. Is it, no, technically that's true. And he hung up the phone. There's a lot of Ralph stories. The guy knows what he wants, and he is determined to get it. So 
it's you know one of the things about working for him uh, is you get fired by Ralph, it's no big deal. You're going to get fired every few weeks if you work with him. And he says, yeah, I fired him <laughs> once in a while. Just to let him know you got to bring stuff in on schedule. Then I call him at home and say, come back to work because I miss you. <laughs> so <laughs> see what you say, but <laughs> good, good points, uh, good information there, Peter. One thing that's, that's getting me though is when you talk about leading by example, because I know I did the same when you were talking about it, Peter. I did the same thing with some of my close friends that I just, uh, I just said, yeah, they're so wonderful, they're so talented. I go, I really want them to do, get your book, do this, write your story, get your art, because you're so wonderful, and then. And then it hits me, you know, they can look at me and say, yeah, well, you've been kind of had something going on in the works for how many years now? We don't see it yet. And so, yeah, I think the best way to do it is to lead by example. You know, if I go ahead and do mine, then, you know, she'll go ahead and do hers or he'll go ahead and do his. They go, oh, okay, because you're kind of, kind of leading them along. I like that. Um, and everything seems is, is speaking to me. But one thing uh, something else that you do, Sherry, I want to move to is like uh, on your website where it talks, you know, you do a lot of speaking. It says, Get ready to be empowered by Sherry Fink as she shares secrets of success. The letter from being a small town girl with big dreams to the first person in her family to graduate from college and become an award winning entrepreneur, number one international best selling author, and launch an inspirational in- empire. Um, here's another cool thing. And 20, I hope you don't mind me reading this, Sherry, but you know it's it's the truth and it's it's all about you. In 2013, CBS (laughs) Los Angeles selected you, Sherry Fink, as one, that sounds like this is your life, as one of the top three authors in your local area, a distinction you shared with Dean Koontz. Because you had so many awards, including the Gold Mom's Choice Awards, uh, Best in Family Friendly Entertainment. But you also speak to um oh oh and let me quote too the words of Jack Canfield, co creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul and New York Times best selling author of Success Principles. Jack Canfield said the whimsical world of Sherry Fink Children's Friend is an excellent resource for award winning and quality children's books that encourage actions of tolerance, acceptance, and perhaps the hardest lesson to be learned by all staying true to the core of oneself. And by the way, I had a message here. You know, sometimes people message in questions or comments. I had a message from a friend of mine in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Jennifer Cooper. She's a second-grade teacher. Uh, she knows and loves your books. And um, it's, she sent me a, a heart that she's glad that you, you're you on the show tonight. Oh, yay. So, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer Cooper. And, uh, and and she's just an enchanting person to herself. Um, but how different is it when you're, or difficult is it to go from one to the other when you're speaking to a group of adults at a corporate event to inspire or to teach and then working children's? Is there a, a, something you have to go through to sort of shift your mindset? Or is your, because the goal is the same, to to um, inform and encourage and inspire? How much similarity Um, or differences are they preparing for one or the other? You know, that's a really interesting question. I've never thought about it like that before. I think um, I have the same intention, like regardless of the audience. Like I want people to experience magic. The moment that I'm on the stage with them, I want a bubble to form around them where they're not distracted by anything else in life and they're just completely present and they're with me and we can go on a journey together. Um, So the content 
is it varies depending on the audience because I customize it for whatever um, group is is hiring me or whatever the school is going through at the time. Like if they're having a lot of bullying problems, I'll do an empowerment talk. If they're wanting to talk about transforming creative ideas or life experiences into art, then I'll focus on that. But but at the end of the day, I'm the same person. Like the language might be a little simpler to reach the younger kids. Like I talk to kids as young as kindergarten. Um, and then I talk to them a lot shorter because they're, you know, they have ants in their pants. So, <laughs> so you learn little <laughs> tricks of the trade, you know, like, oh, 25 minutes is the maximum amount of time for that age. And if they start wiggling around, you get up and do a song and, and you get the wiggles out and then everybody sits back down. You know, you just learn things along the way. <laughs> but um, I never had to do that for an adult audience. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing about it, like with, with, for example, I'm speaking to a group of women, a um, hundred women on Valentine's day and they want me to give like my life story. Basically I can just get up there and tell them the truth, like unfiltered, you know, I can tell them about my hardships. I can tell them how I overcame it. I can tell them about the struggles, all of those things. When I speak to children, I can tell them the same things, but I highlight aspects of it that are relevant to their world now, you know, Um, and I think that's what's most important is to meet people where they are and take them where you want to go, like whatever age they are. Um, Certain age groups, like you don't ask them if they have questions because they don't understand what a question is. So they'll all raise their hand one at a time and say, my grandma brought me to school today. And then someone else will say, I have a rose in my yard or I have a dog. And they'll all want to say something, you know. So, like, so the younger well, ones don't get to ask questions. The little bit older does. You know, the high schoolers have great questions. It's really interesting. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of my friends that, that do teach elementary school, and you know, funny thing, yesterday in – uh, I think it was yesterday, it was in the New York Times or the New York Times Magazine, or Sundays actually, there was a thing, uh, uh, a feature about uh, teachers from kindergarten to like grades one and two, and it said how these are such, so these are some of the most important teachers and, and learning years these children will ever have. These teachers had the most effect and are so important to them, and yet people still pay them and treat them like babysitters. And by the way, speaking of, we were saying hello to Jennifer Cooper in Hoover, Alabama, or Birmingham, Alabama. And Peter, if you will just kind of move the uh, beaded curtain, that's exactly who's coming in here to the Genie Bottle next. Jennifer Cooper, come on in. Hey. Hello. Welcome. How you doing? (laughs) I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. We're having a party. And Peter G., Yes, we are, and we're glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. And so I don't know if you saw that article um, in the, in the New York Times Sunday, Jennifer, but yeah, I was just as I was just saying that they said this is such an important uh, time to learn, and because as you as you well know, Sherry Fink has so many books uh, for children that. This is one of the uh, the most crucial times for learning, learning about not just, uh, you know, numbers and letters, but uh, about life and how to treat each other Absolutely. and be treated. And I'm sure you, you could both say it more eloqu- eloquently than I can. I can't even say eloquently. So, <laughs> it's, And it's funny teaching kindergarten. People assume, like you were saying, you know, it's just babysitting, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I have conversations with kids that parents can't have or don't have. 
And so I'm having to build all of that knowledge and that um, understanding of just the world around them on top of, you know, how do letters and numbers work and, and why, you know, is this the number one and not the letter L and all of those things that are academic. And so it's, it's a bit crazy sometimes. And so chasing rabbits is one of our favorite things to do. <laughs> well, and it's the, that's the time, too, when they first start learning about their place in society, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times they're only in the home environment before they start school. And then when they're in a classroom environment, they're like, wow, okay, there's other people with other needs. And a teacher, like, really sets the tone for how they're received in the world and how they think about other people. And it's fascinating, like, all the things that you have to do and just – I have some of the most profound conversations with the youngest kids. And when the parents will talk to me and they'll say, well, what do you think? Or whatever. And I was like, your kid is amazing. So charming and so smart. And they look surprised. And I'm like, well, have a real conversation with them. You know, the teacher knows. (laughs) Yes. And if I had a dollar for every time a parent said to me, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry for my kid. I'm like, why? They're delightful. <laughs> well, and they're so honest. Like, until they hit a little bit older, they will tell you the truth. Like, if you ask them a question, they will tell you. And I love that about them. There's an innocence about them that it just, you know, it kind of gets um, covered up a little bit as they grow older. So um, kudos to you for all that you do um, to bring well, thank you. That, I love it. not only education alive for them, but also just that experience of being accepted and, and being heard and, um, and fitting into a, a, a class environment. It's so important. I think so. That sense of community is so lost in our culture today, I'm afraid. Yes. And so you have to it build is. it from the ground. Yes. And, and it I sets know. the tone for their education too, like how they're going to think Absolutely. about school from there on out. Like I loved Absolutely. my kindergarten teacher. I loved her so much that I actually, when I published my first book, I did a book tour oh. in my hometown in Virginia, and I invited her. And she's um, in a wheelchair oh. now. She's older. But I was crying. Like, when she came in, I knew it was her. I hadn't seen her oh. in 30 years. Oh. <laughs> it was oh. amazing. <laughs> so you never know the impact that you're having. <laughs> hey, no, hey it's Joe, always I'll tell you what, fun. even and uh, and Jennifer, before school, I've noticed, like, I've already known you for, you know, we met in person at, a, at one of my clients had a book mm-hmm. event, a signing event at the Barnes & Noble in your area. That's how we met. And But I've yeah. known that since then on social media, on Facebook, when it's almost time for school, when you're planning for school, you start putting up pictures of your classroom and, and how you're going to, and how you got the chairs and how things are decorated and how you want them this way and what you love about them, what you love about the school and students, you start putting that. I don't even know these kids. I don't ever go in this place, but I can feel, you know, just that warmth and excitement building for them because you do that. Thank you. I love, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. And it's one of those things where you, you, when you find what you love and what you're good at, it's hard to walk away from that for anything. Yeah, and you're having an impact, too. And I think that's, I hope like, so. <laughs> for me, that's one of the best things about doing what we do is, like, feeling fulfillment through knowing that, you know, you're pouring your heart and energy into these kids, and it does make a difference, even if you don't see it every day. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and, and that's pretty much been that's a lot of that's been uh, some of the theme of our talk tonight. But if just to but to move on to something else too, because um, we've talked about um, you know your work, your children's books, and your work for speaking to adults. And you also have adult books, romance books, um, all the magical things that you do, and. If you go to your, uh, if you look on Sherry Fink's website, folks, and it's Sherry S H E R I F I N K dot com, uh, there's even a section of beauty, not surprisingly, and you can even get the lip balm collection by Sherry Fink, the whimsical world of Sherry Fink lip balm collection, and they have the little creatures, the little rose, the little gnome, the little firefly, <laughs> the little seahorse. I mean, the, is it, it says fun for all ages, so that means it's okay for adults to, to buy them and say, look, this is strictly for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, and those flavors you can't find everywhere. That was how it started. I was like, why aren't there flavors that I like? available you know like i want banana pineapple and things like that bubble gum and i couldn't really find it and then i started looking into like how can you have this made and they did and they're all natural (laughs) ingredients and sps 15 and i was like well this is awesome and i had my fans vote on the flavors i asked them on facebook like pick like ask your kids which which four flavors would they most want and those were the four that they chose so it was it was really cool to to try something um, beyond a book. Iced pear, that sounds good. That sounds yummy. <laughs> so now, if people want to have you come and talk to their school or come talk to their business, um, and you've spoken to people. Um, well, you've done things for PBS, Barnes & Noble, Girl Scouts of America, which you are involved uh, in reading as fundamental, um, I understand, in Girl Scouts, but also to uh, USC, UCLA, Macy's, California Pizza Kitchen, Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, how do people connect with you to, to your agent? How would, people, how would somebody invite you or talk to you about coming to speak to their group? Um, usually they just contact me through the website. So they would go to info at sherryfink.com and just email me and we can talk about it. You know, we'll have a call and, and talk about like what the group needs and the timing and I'll see if I have availability and if it's a fit for me for my schedule and we just set it up. I love doing that. Okay. Um, and writers conferences too. I've really enjoyed doing some keynotes for those. In recent years, and um, and I travel too. You know, it just depends on uh, what we what we work out. That's exactly what I was going to ask. What about travel? Surely you do. I mean, I know you've just come back from Australia on your honeymoon, but oh, I love but to you travel. do travel. I, whenever okay, oh yes, whenever I do a booking somewhere, like when I do a speaking engagement, I always like add a day or two and have more adventures there. Because I want to see the local area. I want to get a sense of that community. I want to do the things, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I love that. All right. Well, you know, if you want to um, uh, find out more about Sherry Fink, the whimsical world of Sherry Fink, I 
website is Sherry, S-H-E-R-I-F-I-N-K, SherryFink.com. Uh, you can also find her on all the social media. I have been so delighted to have you here. Thank you for being so generous with your time. And thanks to our friends, uh, animator Peter G., and writer and uh, school teacher Jennifer Cooper, for joining us here in the Genie Bottle. Thank you all. And uh, any parting words, Sherry? I would say whatever that is that you have the dream and that you want to create, that thing that's burning inside of you, just get out there and do it. Take one step, one step after another, and whatever it is, just trust that that's what you're meant to do and do it. And have fun along the way. All right. <laughs> All right. I like it. I like it. And uh, Peter and Jennifer, join us back here another time. Thank you both so much for being here. And I am going to say tomorrow night is Althea Lawton Thompson. Hope you can join us. Uh, thank you again, Sherry Fink. And uh, I'm going to close out with my one of my dreams coming to my CD and the song Everybody's Got to Swing because that's what we got to do. We all got to swing. I love you so much. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.